y'all heard? Marissa, this day needs to end. Let's go. Who? One. Two. <laughs> okay. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is Y'all Heard, a podcast where me, Marissa Phillips. And me, Pete Phillips. Are not related, which continues to terrify us. And this is a podcast where two friends work in the lab late some nights, and sometimes our ears pick up a sound of fright. From our lives we share the lows and highs, and things you might find a surprise. It's our podcast! Did you write that ahead of time? Of course I did. Okay, yeah, let's see, wow. Uh, That was cute, I like that. In other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Um... I'm going to jump into how am I, and I'm going to tell you what I just told Pete, because I think you'll appreciate me being candid and telling you the truth. I'm very stressed. I've been stressed for two days. I've been dreaming about work. I've been so stressed. And... I got a twitching eye myself. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, man, I'm glad I don't. I my, I get, my eyes get blurry, though, when I get too stressed. So I was getting blurry vision... I drank so much coffee that then, like, I was so jittery. So then I was like, oh, I got to bring myself down. So then I drank (laughs) mood-balancing herbal teas, which was nice. But I was like, this isn't, I'm still out of my mind. So I took a Xanax, and I forgot that Xanax kind of, like, makes me kind of sleepy. Then I forgot I took either of those things and then drank. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm actually not drunk because I stopped drinking as much i was just gonna have one drink i that makes it sound like actually drinking but i'm a a special kind of lethargic and subdued like my eyes are heavy and i can't channel the excitement i normally have which might be good uh i can't wait to hear what this sounds like when i play it back because Mm -hmm. i have mentioned before i sound drunk or like i have a slurring impediment Baseline. That's my voice, which I learned through this podcast. Uh, I told someone that the other day. They laughed. Didn't say, no, you don't. Right. So, I guess it's true. Anyway, <laughs> how is your week? My week is okay. It's been, um, it's been difficult. But only, oh. I, you know what? Today's been difficult. Prior to today, everything's been fine. Um, I just haven't been able to get grading done and... It's interesting. You end up with some students who could honestly give a shit. And then you have other ones who are like, do you have those grades in yet? (laughs) Yeah. Seriously, I I used to be those who thought that but didn't dare verbalize it because that's rude. Students are very – I don't know if this is across the board, but students are bold these days. Yeah, I don't think they were that bold when I was a student, as if I'm that old. But (laughs) – well, or maybe just I'm not bold, so I assume <laughs> no one was. <laughs> uh, oh, I had someone else to say. Students, bold, stressed. Oh, I've decided I'm stressed because I have a... I don't know how to properly gauge the severity of a mistake. <laughs> so meaning like... Say when more. I was like out of my fucking mind, someone would probably be like, darn... Because, yeah, it's not even worth saying it. But I bet anyone else would be like, 
oh man, that sucks. And I'm like, no, my fucking reputation is on the line. Everyone's going to think about how I uh, fucked uh, up Marissa? forever. So, uh, I believe yeah. recently in an episode you asked me a question. Um, since when does your reputation matter to you? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, I don't really care how people... Like, how people like me, like, personality-wise, which is why I, <laughs> which is why I just, just bask in my antisocial behaviors at, at work all the time. However, I do want them to think that despite my social issues, I'm responsible. Yeah, like you're worth the risk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want them to think, like, I'm going to deal with this girl who's, like, a loose fucking rude cannon because she does stuff on time. Hey, Marissa. What? Before we get too deep into the show, I need to issue a correction. Okay. Oh shit. Um, I previously said something on the show. I don't know that we've ever formally done a correction. No. In y'all heard history, but I do want to say that we're not going to make it a habit. According to Merriam-Webster, the word "spooky" is defined as relating to, resembling, or suggesting spooks. A further breakdown of spook gives way to the meaning ghost or specter, or an undercover agent slash spy. But the Dutch word describing apparitions, which first came into use around the 19th century, took on a more sinister meaning around World War II, when white American soldiers started referring to their black counterparts as spooks. So, originally, it meant ghost or specter. Oh, and then someone made it racist. And apparitions, yes. And then somebody, yeah, made it racist. So I think that it's our duty to take it back. Yeah. Okay. As spooky people. I do like the word spooky. I <laughs> I just slipped into a train of thought and stared into space for a moment. You can't see. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. I think that's, that's worth it. Uh, that will be our only correction for 2020. I will say right now, you will get one correction per year, listeners. <laughs> Even if we say something really bad by mistake, we're going to choose our correction carefully. Yes. Because we are not going to be beholden to, to all you. the fucking mistakes we make. <laughs> to you. Yeah. Whew. Man, guys, I was really excited about this episode, so I'm going to power through. But just know, it feels like my eyes have tiny bricks <laughs> <laughs> attached to them. And so does my mouth. Not attached to my eyes. His bricks attached to it. Guys, it's our Halloween episode, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So, do I sound spooky? Boo. Okay. Peter, you ready for your... Icebreaker. Ready as I'll ever be. Okay. What are you doing for Halloween this year? Shut up. (laughs) Okay, fine. What What? am I doing for Halloween? I'll give you a different one. Okay, give me a different one. What's their favorite Halloween costume ever? My favorite Halloween costume... um, I can't really remember a ton of the Halloween costumes that I had over the years, and I don't think it's because it was super traumatic, but I think my favorite Halloween costume is when I was a skeleton. And I had How old were you? Glow in the dark skeleton pajamas. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, um, I think like for the moment that was like the coolest costume I could ever have, and even today 
I, you know, it's the coolest costume I could ever have. I don't have, you know, the body that I had when I was probably like seven or eight, uh, which is don't? which is good, right? <laughs> oh no. What I was going to say is going to go ahead. So I wouldn't wear them, meaning this isn't a, a request that somebody mail me skeleton pajamas. But um, uh, but it's not a request that you don't send a skeleton pajamas. Just make sure they're loose fitting. <laughs> and then send me ones too, tight fitting. Uh, so that was fun. I also remember being Sergeant Slaughter from G.I. Joe. That was also pretty fun. Nice. I was a skateboarder once in a while. <laughs> That's cute. Which means I had on neon color shirts and shorts and a skateboard. That's adorable. It's like, oh, for Halloween, I'm someone who rollerblades. <laughs> for Halloween... Uh, for Halloween this year, I'm going to be someone who knows how to cook. Like, yeah. that's how it feels to I'm going to be somebody who knows how to do their own taxes. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> okay. How about you, Marissa? What are you doing um, this Halloween, or what is your favorite Halloween costume? <laughs> this Halloween, I'm going to the Renaissance Fair in, in uh, Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Is it uh, is it uh, spooky-themed? Yes. Every okay. weekend is a different theme, and this one will just be straight-up Halloween theme. So that'll be really fun. Because if you go when it's not a Halloween theme, if you dress up like anything that's not uh, time... Appropriate? Sorry. Historically appropriate, everyone, like, scoffs at you, and I'm like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> anyway, so thankfully they'll give me peace. Um, I... My favorite one. Okay, my most impressive one. But I won't say my favorite, because I guess it was technically cultural appropriation. Though I wonder if it's <laughs> less of it, so that I'm Hispanic. Don't weigh in, because it probably is still cultural appropriation. Uh, yeah, I was a sugar skull lady, but I don't think I realized it was offensive at the time. So... <laughs> I apologize to anyone I offended. In a different um, way, I like that going. I realized it was very offensive at the time. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. But uh, the costume was very impressive. Uh, my favorite costume that wasn't offensive was when I was Michael Jackson because I took a lot of fucking time learning all of his dance moves. And I, like, became Michael Jackson. And that was also... Oh, no, I was going to say... I was going to say that was the beginning of when I took home the gold in every single costume contest my family had for four years in a row. That was actually my second win. So, um, You guys should, I guess, cyberstalk Marissa to find photos of her as Prince as well. Yeah, I like that too, but no one gave out prizes that year. <laughs> and if you don't give out prizes and I spend that much time, it's like that party never happened. Mm -hmm. Last Halloween... Uh, I spent hours on this mermaid costume, which probably doesn't look at it at first glance, but like I spent a lot of time on the crown and the shirt. And when it was time for awards to be given out, suddenly someone goes, hey, should we just give awards to the kids? To which I screamed, I spent so many fucking hours on this <laughs> costume. No, the kids are not getting prizes. Give them candy and tell them it's an award. And then they said, okay, and then I won. Anyway. I feel like that might have been a little fixed. 
Hey. Oh my God, Marissa. I would have won. Speaking of fixed, we might know who the next president is by the time we record. Pete, that's disgusting. It it is disgusting. You know what it is? It's scary. Oh, guys, that's like really scary. Uh, Not completely linked, but I feel like we've come to this point because of our current president. But uh, yeah, the guy just told Pete. Uh, Philly has a has a curfew today. Uh, there is lots of civil unrest, and I hate Trump. Okay, <laughs> sorry, hot take. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just um, I'm just respectfully quiet over here. Yeah, me I too do. is what I mean to say. Okay, <laughs> and okay. like Marissa said last show, not the movement. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that again, and I was like, it's not funny if I say it twice. Okay. Uh, Pete, okay, so guys. Tell us about what we're going to do today. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. So guys, this is an idea I pitched. I don't know how it's going to go. And I will say, I got the inspiration slightly from last podcast. I almost said last podcast on yourself. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so God. I'm so God. Has there ever been a crossover? I wish. (laughs) Guys, I'm so sorry. I'm so goth. It's such a bad way right now. <laughs> anyway, because uh, they always do a whole bunch of creepypastas on Halloween. They're not always great creepypastas, but it's just fun because they have all these different stories, and it's like a playful episode. So I was like, why don't we just have a bunch of stories, but not not us read a bunch of creepypastas. I was like, why don't we take stories from our listeners and bring some stories ourselves? So I pitched that me and Pete both give a real-life scary story and a fictional scary story. Don't know if Pete has both of those, but that was at least my pitch. And I told our listeners to either leave us a spooky story or when we got desperate, just to leave us any voicemail. (laughs) And guys, you actually called in this time. Thank you. I appreciate it because you ignore so us every I. other time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Also, some people who called in who have never heard our show, so I appreciate that you let me bully you into this. And they straight up lied about it too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So okay. we're. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is part of your goal, Marissa, but I think that for me personally, the stories that I tell, I'm going to start with like um, not as scary and build up to the scariest. Yours personal? How many stories do you have? Oh, I have so many. Really? Yeah. Like Once, real ones? One time, guys. It was around Thanksgiving time. And I was making a pumpkin pie. And I rolled out the crust. And I put it in the, the pie pan. Pumpkin. Okay. Um, and then... I mixed up all the ingredients and then I put it in the oven and I watched it bake. <laughs> but before I closed the door, it went, ah. and I was like, what? What? So anyway, I'm watching the pie. Not like sitting there watching the oven, of course. I'm sorry, I'm, the pie let out a whimper? Yeah. Okay. And like I said, what? And it didn't, it didn't whimper again, so... Okay. So I come back, I think, like 45 minutes later, and it's like nothing happened to the pie. (laughs) What happened? Your oven broke? And I pulled it out, and I did the little knife test to see (laughs) if it was baked. 
Uh-huh. It wasn't. <laughs> so then I put it back in, and I baked it longer. And then I took it out again later. Still the same. Is your oven on? My oven is on. So I put, it, I put it back out. in. <laughs> and then I pulled it out again. I don't know, maybe like 15 minutes later. Because the crust was starting to get really brown. So it was baking, Marissa. Huh. And then I was like, knife test? Nope, it's still not done. And I was like, what the fuck, pie? And the pie was like, yeah, I showed you. <laughs> what the fuck? Is it the end really, of the I, f- I forgot to put eggs in it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, yeah, I thought there was going to be something missing. Got it, got it. <laughs> so what did you do, throw it out, or you still ate it? That's happened to me three times. <laughs> Pete, what the fuck? Uh, one time I threw it out, one time I didn't realize that it was, uh, one time I think I missed the evaporated milk instead of the eggs, and people ate it and pretended it was good. (laughs) And then the last time I did it, I, it wasn't done, but I took it all the way home to New Jersey to prove to my mom that I made her a pumpkin pie. It just didn't work because I forgot an ingredient again. Mm. (laughs) And then we threw it out because nobody should be eating raw pumpkin pie but the one without the eggs doesn't it have ingredients that could be eaten wrong yeah it just doesn't solidify you should have sold it as something else like i made like a pumpkin pudding yeah a a pumpkin pudding i made you some pumpkin nog pumpkin nog nog in uh crust (laughs) yeah you could have put it in a smoothie Okay, yeah, that was a horrifying story. Thank you for that one. Do you want to hear from one of our calls? Yeah, first, let's go back. Or do you and want forth. to jump Can you in? Something of ours a call. I don't think we have enough to go back and forth, but yeah. Okay. Oh wait. Oh God, who's calling me? Let me hang up on that. Is person. it Satan? Oh, did you say Satan? <laughs> no, I I don't know, but okay, I hung up. Go ahead. Hi, this is one of the Michaels. I was calling to say a happy Halloween to my very spooky friend. Thank you. That is one of the Michaels. Yes. Leaving us a spooky, happy holiday message. Thank you, Michael. I don't know if I'm supposed to keep it mysterious which Michael it is. Now, Michael, I'm not trying to throw any shit at you, okay? I'm not trying to, like, give you some some shit like Marissa is, but... Why was I giving her shit? I was saying thank you. I wish you had a longer story. What? Because it wasn't a story. I know it wasn't I a story. I know it wasn't a story. But what? I'm, I, let me let me get through my compliment. You got a great voice for the show. Sorry that you didn't have a longer story. If you ever have <laughs> more and you'd like to join us, the door's always open. Well, I am putting him on blast a year in advance, Michael. Michael <laughs> Blank, in case it's a secret, is going to provide us with a full-length Halloween story next Halloween. <laughs> Uh, since that one's so short, do you want to play one more? Sure. Hi, Pete and Marissa. This is Alex. Um, for the award, uh, I guess I can email you guys my address or something. Or I can get it through inter-office mail, either. Uh, okay, so you'd ask for stories about spooky stuff, and I've never really been... I, I don't have any good spooky stories myself, 
If I have bad dreams, they're normally about mass surveillance or pandemics, so this year has not been great for me. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is just the creepiest ever, gives me chills, is um, something called the Chatsworth Incident. In the early history of cryonics, there was this, like, TV repairman who wanted to, you know, with people's consent after they died, um, put them in a vat of liquid nitrogen in the hopes that someday in the future they could get thawed out and, you know, uh, you know, using future therapeutics, be able to build them of whatever it is that would have caused their death. Um, this is really well documented in an episode of This American Life. The title of the episode is Mistakes Were Made, and I, I think I'll leave it to them to tell the rest of that story. Okay, thanks for the show, guys. Bye. So Ooh. we're just gonna we're just gonna stop the show now and play that episode no. of This American Life. So, what are we guessing? That something happened and they all get thawed prematurely? It makes sense that that would be what would happen. Oh, that'd be so creepy if there was a... So, I had... looked it up. I had a terrible day, so I didn't get the opportunity to look up exactly what happened, but, um... No, let's both guess. That's fun. But, yeah, I, I would imagine that one of the things that could very well happen is... Like something goes wrong power wise, and then you just have a bunch of defrosted corpses. Oh, that's so gross! Like it's okay. I, I was gonna say it's okay to have a corpse around. What are you talking about? <laughs> but like to have a bunch of corpses around all at once, especially if they're defrosting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is, like, if you're a murderer and you go around killing people and collecting the corpses and bringing them home, like. There's a span of time, right, that these corpses are building up. They're not all rotting at the same pace. And yeah. so, yeah, I feel like defrosting is, is probably super gross. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we're guessing. Like I said, we didn't look it up. I'm glad we didn't because we won't spoil it. Check that out on the podcast he referenced. Uh, and thank you, Alex, for for that call. We always appreciate you. It's funny, like I'm... I did look it up really quick because I thought you might want to know the answer, and I'm halfway through an article, and the only thing is they keep saying, it is so disturbing. It's so <laughs> disturbing. Oh, I'm going to have to listen to that then. That sounds <laughs> awesome. I love a disturbing. So bizarre, so revolting, so tragic. Oh, okay. Huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to. Okay. Again. Stared into space for but a moment. Do you want me to go next, or do you want to go next? I'll go next. We'll, we'll, we'll pass We'll pass back and forth. Um, so I will tell a real-life scary stories. I will change the names of those involved. And, I mean, I didn't, like, rehearse it, so hopefully it comes out right. But, like, this is a story that is Oh, I'm sorry. Did you think I rehearsed mine? <laughs> no, no, no. But I just, also, I'm in a bad place in terms of speaking. Okay, I was in college. I was in love with this boy for years. Like, when I say years, I don't mean like, oh, a year or two. I mean like uh, an abnormal amount of years. I'm a very intense person. (laughs) Also, they knew I was in love with them. Uh, But they were always playing mind games with me. And, like, some days they'd be like, oh, maybe we'll hang out. And then, like, they would follow through or they would make it hard to get in touch with them. Whatever. We've all Um, been there, Marissa. Yeah, but I like to ignore signs that someone doesn't like me. So I, uh, anyway, 
So I still was pursuing them because I guess they were kind of leading me along. That's not the scary part. Uh, I just wanted to lay that out for a while. I mean, it is scary. I mean, yes, it is. But (laughs) I just want to lay out why I allowed (laughs) this to happen to an extent. Anyway, so I went to a bar when I used to live in Wilkes-Barre. I used to go to this old band bar all the time by myself. Like, if I had no plans, I'd just go by myself because I would assume I'd see someone I know. So I saw that guy that I was, like, madly in love with, which was interesting because he actually didn't drink alcohol, but whatever. So we're talking for a bit. Uh, You know, he's giving me a lot more attention than he normally does. And I'm getting a little bit tipsy. And he's like, do you want me to drive you home? And uh, I would have had to walk home. So I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. So time to go home. I have a very bad sense of direction. So it took me a very long time before I realized we weren't driving to my house. Uh, So in the middle of the night, I'm with this guy, and I'm just like, what? Where are we going? This isn't the way to my house. And he's like, you'll see. I know. (laughs) He's like, I want to introduce you to someone. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So anyway, I've never been to his house. I've never formally hung out with this guy before. Also, he's very mysterious. Uh, that's an understatement. Not even mysterious. He's very bizarre. Intentionally um, materi- mysterious. Yeah, he's the kind of person I... That, that's what I was into at the time. So we get <laughs> to a house, and I'm like, where are we going? Like, he could have been killing me, for all I know. But he was like, no, come in. I have someone to introduce you to. And I was like, okay. And I guess like really late at night. So we go into this house. He's like, this is, this is my house. And I'm like, okay. It's like a, it's actually a lovely house considering for how like mm-hmm. disheveled and mysterious, like looking, he, like the way he likes to present himself. Like he clearly lives with a woman, which I later found out was like, it's just him and his mom. It was like this impeccably furnished, like quaint little place. Like, you know, like, little flower pictures everywhere, really nicely cleaned. And I'm like, wow, this is a really normal house. It's not what I expected. And then he goes, the person I want you to meet is in my bedroom. So we go to his bedroom. Okay, listeners, you know you should have left by now. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I did a lot of things in college. Anyway, so he takes me to his bedroom. The person I want to introduce you to. Lives in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is not a sexual scary story. But no, you no, no. know what the story is, right? I'm pretty sure I know exactly what's yeah. going to happen next. <laughs> so, the thing is, you know, I'm in this quaint little, little, like, really nicely decorated house. I go into the bedroom. I would like to specify first that there is no bed. No bed and no chair. Like, there's nothing that a person would sleep on in this quote-unquote bedroom. And the walls are painted dark, and, like, the whole room is disheveled. Like, there's... And he has, there's... He has wind chimes made out of fingernails. No, no! He does that. <laughs> but there's, like, crap all over the floor. There's, like, there's like pieces of paper, like, uh, like, trash, like, guitar stuff. There's literally something covering every single inch of the floor. There's no bed. There's actually stuff written on the walls, like... The cliche, like, kind of writing on a wall you'd see, like, in a movie where it's like, oh, I'm insane. I'm scrolling all over <laughs> the walls. Like, I was like, wow. So it's okay. like the Joker's bedroom. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and he's like, let me get who I'm going to introduce you to. And I'm even, go- I'm even going to change the name of who I am introduced to. So he, I don't know if he goes into a closet or just goes in a corner of the floor that I was, I didn't notice. And he picks up a completely black, hand-sewn, legless, possibly fully limbless, doll with X's for eyes and no other features. And is like, this is, let me make my name, this is... Dwayne. <laughs> it was a, no, but it, yeah, okay. <laughs> this is Dwayne. Marissa, this is Dwayne. Meet Dwayne. And I'm like, oh, hello, Dwayne. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> and uh, after I meet the legless, faceless, hand sewn doll he made, he took me home. Yes. <laughs> Thank goodness you survived, Marissa. Yeah, I feel like that story should have ended darker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that was my real life story. Just yeah. <laughs> of meeting a featureless hand puppet. Yeah. Being being not kidnapped, but I was supposed to be taken home, taken to someone's house in the middle of the night to be introduced to a limbless hand-sewn doll in a bedroom with no beds. Now, do you think that he puts his kid to sleep with that <laughs> doll now? <laughs> like it's story time with Dwayne? I mean, I don't know if Dwayne still exists. I don't know where <laughs> Dwayne is. I haven't seen Dwayne. Dwayne, Dwayne if you are listening, please call him. us at 570-PODWOD1. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> well, you said Dwayne? Yes, Dwayne or one of Dwayne's friends. If anybody knows where Dwayne is, please give us a call. (laughs) I like that. Okay, uh, let's listen to some more callers. How you doing? Uh, You know, I'm uh, Jay from the Philly area. First time, long time. Uh, By the way, that's the lie. Well, he said first time, long time. So that's (laughs) only a half lie. (laughs) I just wanted to call and share a story that was uh, kind of, I guess, scary for me so uh, years ago I was dating this girl and uh, it was St. Patrick's Day or one of the weekends for St. Patrick's Day so we're out drinking everyone was uh, everyone was drunk you know, we were arguing back and forth like young people tend to do and uh, somehow or another she said you know what that's it I'm done I'm done with you so I left and she yelled at me for leaving and she followed me and she followed me out onto the street and uh, she kicked me twice. I turned around and looked at her. Now, Marissa, I just want to check. Do you know this story? Wait, first of all, did he say kiss me or kicked me? That's my question for you. (laughs) Because I thought I was going to know where the story goes, but now I'm not sure. My guess is kicked. We're going to pull back. And, uh... She kicked me twice. I turned around and looked at her. Yeah. Because I was very angry, but I decided, you know what? I can't, I can't do it. I can't catch a case fighting this woman on the middle of the street. So I didn't. So I got in the cab and uh, went home. It was a straight shot home. And, you know, I relaxed in the cab. I laid my head against the window and everything. 
And uh, when I cut out the cab to go in my apartment, I look at my steps, and there she is. She beat me to my own apartment. Makes no sense. Defies the laws of physics. <laughs> so, uh, so we're married now with two kids, and uh, that's my story. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I love that. I think he might kicked him. I feel like I might have heard the story. These calls came in to our Google Voice. Google Voice automatically transcribes the calls. And um, <laughs> when I read this one, I just, I didn't, I wanted to experience the stories for the first time with Marissa. But when I saw some of them, I like, you know, took a look at the transcript. And um, it said, on my step, it said shish on my step, I think. <laughs> And I was like, oh my gosh, if somebody shit on his steps That's after fighting with him. That's what I thought it was going to be, because I forgot. I, I think I have heard this story. But I was like, I'm not sure. And I thought it was going to be when I got home, she had shit on my steps. And I was so excited. Because I don't know if you know, guys, but when I get really fucking mad at someone, I say to them, I'm going to break into your house in the middle of the night. And shit on your fucking floor. And it chills them to the bone. I say that to many people and it doesn't not send chills down anyone's but It always gets them. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, man, another girl who gets it. Shit on someone's floor. That is jarring as fuck <laughs> if a girl does that. Uh, but yeah, I don't think she shit on his floor. Congratulations so, to you on being yes, married. Yes. <laughs> that happened a long time ago that he became married. Thank you, Jay. I guess I won't say your name. Uh, I appreciate that story. Also, do you think she has the power to teleport? That's interesting. What other beings can defy the laws of physics and get somewhere fast enough to yeah. make sense in his story? What if she, the, the, the girl that he was fighting with at the club, was like the evil doppelganger of the one who was waiting on the steps? Oh, man. Fuck yeah, Pete. Thank <laughs> you. He just won right there. <laughs> you fought with her doppelganger. You're married to to the, the real one. one. Where yeah. is that doppelganger? Does she show up sometimes when the real one's out to brunch? <laughs> and you're like, baby, why are you home so early? She's like, oh, I just missed you. But it's no, no, she's like, ah, and she's screaming at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, she is. She is. A, and she uh, is kiss kicking him <laughs> all over the house. <laughs> Yes, that's how you know it's the <laughs> doppelganger. Kicking is her jam. Thank you, Jay. Uh, yeah, that's a first time story from from uh, <laughs> first time, long time from Jay. <laughs> um, so I have two Halloween stories related to animals. Are these yours or fictional? These are mine. Yeah, because I, I have one fictional story. And it's going to be at the end of the podcast because it's a story that I wrote and it's much longer than I expected when okay. I recorded it. Let me just slip in like a two-sentence story that is also personal. When I was younger, I gained a bunch of weight. And then oh, I was congratulations. Like, what? Congratulations. That was, not, that was not the story. I gained a bunch of weight. It's not that scary, Marissa. And, and I went on a diet, like a pretty extreme diet, and it caused me to lose my period for over a year. And the whole time I was like, hey, that's cool. I'm not going to get my period. But then one day 
I don't know what came over me, but with like such a, Mm -hmm. like I truly, truly, it was only for a few seconds, but I just want you to know that I truly in my heart got the idea for a few moments that I didn't have my period because there was an immaculate conception. (laughs) (laughs) And it chilled me to the fucking core for those three moments. That's all. Okay, you can go to yours. One time, very early in the morning, in July of 2012, I was going into work just like any other day, and I went into the room where we have our refrigerator and our printer. I opened the door, and I was stopped dead in my tracks. There was a bat hanging from the ceiling. Ew! And the bat wouldn't move. And I said, hey, bat, I'm just going to put my lunch in the freezer, okay? Yeah, in the Pete fridge, okay? Yeah, talk to animals and pies, in case you haven't noticed that. I was like, I'm just going to put my lunch in the fridge, okay? And he was and like, okay. Nope. The bat, was, the bat was quiet. Very standoffish. <laughs> and so I kind of just put my lunch in the fridge, and then I backed out slowly, and then I closed the door. <laughs> what? That's, that's the end of the story? Since then, I've gotten an insulated lunchbox, and also, uh, eventually, somebody called Facilities on the Bat, oh, and... thank you. Okay. They like, captured... Like, I did nothing, and then it was gone. I really play a fucking bat still in your... Why <laughs> they would captured... you not call Facilities yourself? They captured the bat, because I didn't know what it was. <laughs> what did you think it was, a rat? I'd never seen a bet in real life. But okay, let's let's take a moment to discuss this. You didn't know what it was, sure. So you only get help when you know what something is? Listen, I thought, my hand to God, that it was a new security camera. <laughs> no fucking way. Shut the fuck up. A new security camera dressed up for Halloween. <laughs> I don't what you just said isn't real, so I'm going to pretend you didn't say it. I posted a picture of it on Facebook, which I discovered while I was looking for scary things that happen. And it says, bat in the printer room. What is this, Marissa's apartment? <laughs> okay, this is not a story I'm going to tell, but you should have heard in past podcasts that I had an apartment. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, I feel like it's not enough of a story. I just, I, I guess I'll slip it in. Okay. Marissa lived in a haunted house. She just didn't encounter the ghosts. (laughs) Well, debatable. Okay, let me add this as one of my stories. I lived in an... Okay, no, let's make it... Let's let's tie in the, the, like, real-world things in it, which is that I had a graduate assistantship, and they thought giving me an apartment in in a huge Victorian house... Not the whole house. I got a room in it. uh, That was half-vacant would be good payment. And by half vacant, <laughs> I mean rooms that didn't have people living in them had animals in them. Let's let that be known. Uh, so uh, <laughs> there was a hidden door there to a crawl space that was like hidden behind a piece of fabric that was like uh, uh, stapled to the wall. And once me and my friends... We're like, what's that? I wonder what's in there. So my friend ripped away the the rug, 
and we went into the crawl space thinking we'd find something real spooky and we found a bucket and we were like oh that was interesting but whatever so we close it but of course like it's never closed to the degree that it was before a week later my brother is sleeping over he's like washing his face and he's like marissa what is this and i see look. he didn't know what it was either no but he didn't go marissa there's a there's a there's a security camera under the door in your bathroom <laughs> Anyway, so under another crawl space door in my bathroom, there was the head of a bat peeking in as if he was trying to get in. I don't even know what the fuck we did. Maybe we poked it back in. <laughs> uh, I mean, what the hell else was I supposed to do? Anyway, fast forward, I had bats in the double digits. Almost every day I would enter my house to a bat literally flying all the fuck around. I would call facilities and they would kill it in my kitchen. So it's a fucking miracle I don't have a disease. Um, so with that, I started sleeping with the light on every single day because I always wanted to be on my guard for bats. And during that time, I became viciously sleep deprived mm -hmm. and not really okay and during one of those days that I was sleep deprived, the light was on for like the 30th or the, I don't know, this is probably the second month in a row. And I woke up and either I saw a ghost or I hallucinated a ghost, but I saw a straight up human sized white, like translucent apparition in front of me. And I was so fucking tired that I said... Something like, dude, I don't have time for this. <laughs> Just go away. <laughs> and I went to sleep, and I never saw the ghost again. Oh, but there were still bats, and one of them was hanging from the ceiling, and I didn't realize it, and I hit it with my hand, and it started screaming, and then I moved. And then you started screaming. And <laughs> yep, and then I, I started crying hysterically, and then I moved. Okay, next up. If I can dig up the voicemails from those uh, bat calls, <laughs> I will. Oh, also during that time, an animal died in the in the vents. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a possum or some shit died in the vents of that apartment, and it smelled like corpses. And then another time, uh, so my, my workplace was attached to that apartment, but the workplace was also attached to an open-door basement. And I remember my coworker told me that she was working late one night and a mangled possum <laughs> walked up from the basement and looked at her. And poured itself a cup of coffee and then went back down. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, anyway. Uh, we have a big yard at my mom's house. This is my second one about the animals. We have a big yard at the house and um, uh, it's big enough that we have a driving lawnmower which James O'Meara has politely called me out for here on the podcast. Um, so <laughs> one time I was mowing the lawn and like the grass isn't that high, uh, but I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm driving. And then I see this thing on the ground in front of me and I go, whoa, what is that? And I look at it and it's a wooden cross Ooh! And, a, and across the, f like, I guess you'd say like the horizontal part of the cross, it says pretty girl. Ew. And I was like, what? I don't like that. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, I don't live at home. So how am I going to bring this up to my mom? 
but not in a way that's going to alarm her. You don't, Pete. Right. But okay. also, there I did have this moral obligation <laughs> where I thought, if there is indeed a pretty girl under the surface, <laughs> doesn't her grave <laughs> like deserve to be marked? Why would someone... That would be their gravestones, this pretty girl? And so... I go, hey, mom, um, is anything, like, weird happening around here? And she's like, no, no. And, uh, eventually I get to the point. I'll save you the details, but I get to the point, and I'm like, yeah, there's a cross out there that says pretty girl. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's Jim's dead cat. <laughs> okay, okay. So a friend of the family decided to... Actually, it was a friend of a friend of the family <laughs> needed a place to bury his cat, and he lived in an apartment, and Aww. he didn't have ground. So my mom said, yeah, you can bury it in my yard and That's mark it with pretty girl. And then he would come back to visit the cat once in a while <laughs> until he just didn't anymore. That's pretty sweet, but the cat's name wasn't pretty girl, was it? I don't know. Okay. This Never met the cat. Okay. Mm, okay. Speaking of cool okay, cats, I like though, I, I better. I liked it way more if you didn't know what it was. Speaking of cool cats, though, let's hear from a fellow Phillips. Okay. Boy. Okay. So here's my story. Um, when I was a teenager, about thirteen, I was getting into creepy things like reading about ghosts, aliens, and stuff like that. But one night, I went over a friend's house. And she let me borrow a book about um, ghosts and aliens. Keep in mind that when I was over at her house, we thought we heard some strange noises while we were um, creeping up with some spooky conversations. But anyway, that night, later that night, my father was sleeping. In the middle, in the middle of the night, he woke up. At the edge of his bed, he saw what appeared to be a man in a black mask. He was totally freaked out and confused. He called out, who's there? No answer. He got closer and the man was still there, but he was vanishing, disappearing. Uh, my father got even closer and the man was gone. Ugh. So anyway, my dad told me about this next day and I thought it had to do with the book I borrowed. So I returned the book to my friend as soon as I could. Possibly the next day. Coincidence? Being superstitious? I don't know. But I wasn't going to take any chances. Thanks. Clap, clap, clap. My friend, that is how you fall in a spooky story. Soundtrack in the background. Yeah. The way he kind of like did that ending like coincidence. He called yeah. out, who's there? Perfect. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He played characters. By the way, I will say, I wish, holy shit, if I had my whole family on for a show, it'd be amazing because <laughs> everyone in my family has seen such fucked up shit. My father told me that story, but I forgot because I can't even keep it straight. Uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy, the stuff my family has seen. That's a creepy story. Mm -hmm. So, Pete, do you think it's a coincidence? Or superstitious. I uh, 
Isn't there uh, another option of just pure evil descending upon <laughs> your home? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pure evil. I mean, I don't, I don't. The thing that I like about the options that Carlos provided to us is, is it a coincidence or is it superstitious or is it something else? The coincidence would be that the ghost is coming to the house anyway. Oh, yeah, that's true. It just happens that he borrowed this book yeah, that's very the true. day before. Good point. So that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. But were they linked? Hmm. Our house is built new, but I did recently hear that there are a lot of people who have new houses. Well, actually, I don't know which house. No, no, no. Actually, that might have been. Yeah, I think that was in an old house that wasn't always ours. It wasn't built new when that happened. But I have heard recently that, you know, like, ghosts could still hunt new places, which I don't really understand that. But, um, yeah, no, we we have a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, hauntings and spooky things in our family. But. All right, thank you, Galito. He is my brother, and he knows how to tell a tale. <laughs> how many more do we have? We have two more voicemails. Okay. Do you want to listen to one more? Sure. The last one is very long. Because I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to read the fake story I got off the internet or think of another one. So I, I need to buy some time. Okay. Hey, Pete and Marissa, this is Juan calling from Austin, Texas. Um, I haven't been listening for a bit, but I did. We appreciate your honesty, Juan. Yes. More than anything, we appreciate your honesty. <laughs> I did listen to the Psychotic Children episode this morning mm. as I was getting ready to go teach fourth graders, so that was cool. <laughs> Love it. And then now I started listening to y'all's next episode, and I heard no one called in with scary stories. And then y'all called me out, and so here I am. Um, oh. So I don't have, like, a actual scary story, but I do have a story that shows how crazy my family is with making up scary stuff that isn't real. So I thought I'd share that one. Um, so I should preface this story by saying that um, it involves my dad's ex-wife, and she was, like, an evil person. Um, <clears throat> she was not a nice person. Um, there were rumors that she, like, did voodoo, and then my family thought that's why, like, my dad was with her. So, I've there's heard about that. This. Um, but the story itself um, is, uh, so my family, at one time when I was, like, younger, um, my brother and my sister, who were both, like, adults and had kids, they ended up moving, like, back in with us. And so one day we got home. It was nighttime. Um, everyone's like coming, <clears throat> coming in the house and then someone goes to the restroom and there's a bird in the restroom, like a live bird. And granted, there's a window in the restroom, like a big window. Guys, for the sake of the story, let's pretend it's a raven. Or a crow. <laughs> I like that, I like that, okay. <laughs> but my family swears that the window was closed and there's no way he could have got in there, blah, blah, blah. So my sister takes all her kids out of the house and <laughs> says she's not going in the house. And so, like, someone does something to that bird because they thought the bird was, like, an evil spirit or something. Ooh, okay. Me, I would have just opened the window and let it out, but not my family. They think that way, so they thought it must be an evil spirit. And so the solution to them was to kill the bird. (laughs) My brother goes (laughs) into the restroom, shuts the door. He has a bat. He's swinging, and then I guess 
finally the bird's dead. Can I just remind everybody how much I like birds? <laughs> he puts it in a plastic bag. They go drive down the street or somewhere. Throw the bird out the out the window. And then, okay, everything's fine. The evil spirit's out. Like, we can move on with our lives. Well, then, fast forward a little bit. We're in the house. Suddenly, my niece, who's like two or three at the time, comes, I don't know, from the room. And she's carrying the doll. This doll was given to her by my dad's wife at that time, who everyone oh thought was, like, a bad person. And so my sister's like, where did that doll come from? She's like, I swear I threw that doll away. <laughs> and then, of course, my niece can't even really talk. And she's like, uh. <laughs> that was the end. I wonder if Juan got cut off. Oh. I feel terrible if, if, if you did, Juan. Sorry about that. If you did, call us back and tell us the end of the story. But <laughs> I will accept that it ends with her going, uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and since his, I guess we'll say stepmother at this point, is presumably a voodoo priestess. Yeah. Who knows what's going on with this doll. No doubt. Uh... Why if it makes you feel any better about families thinking crazy things? Uh, my family believes that we have had like multiple uh, hexes put on us. Um, one of my cousins, multi generational self- hexes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my cousins who had a health issue. Uh, I don't even think I'm supposed to know this. Contacted <laughs> someone who is into Santeria shit, and. Uh, Brujeria. I, I don't know where the lines are drawn. Anyway, she had to sacrifice a dove, I think, in a basement. Uh, and it didn't work. Her illness still happened. Uh, she's alive. She's fine. Uh, it has and, to be in a basement. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It didn't have to be in But, like, I just have such a weird visual. So, yeah, uh, there's, there's weird shits about... Oh, and I've told you all, I think, and I've told Pete... Uh, my the woman who raised my daddy, his aunt, was a. It's not called a witch. It's like a culandera, which is a, like, herbalist, witch doctor kind of person who my father says healed him of tetanus immediately with her magic. Anyway. Spooky. <laughs> uh, do you have any more stories? All right, so this is my scariest story. The one that's going to come at the end of the show is going to be one that I wrote. And after reading it aloud for the show, uh, I realized it's not really that spooky per se. Mm -hmm. But I did go through the trouble of reading it, so I'm going to put it on the end of the show. (laughs) Okay. We won't come back to talk about it or anything. So um, we'll call that the after show. So... Marissa and I have talked uh, on the podcast before, sometimes explicitly, sometimes generally, about how traumatizing it was for us to go through graduate school. God, God, you don't even fucking know. (laughs) And, like, the classes were okay. They were with a bunch of – you were with a bunch of people who took themselves very, very seriously. This is not indicative of all the people that were there, but most of the people there took themselves very, very seriously – the the whole entire like basically it's a low residency program let's make this a marketing piece now <laughs> it's a low residency program which means that you spend about a week 
on campus and then you do a majority of the work online and then you come back again, do a week on campus and so on. So the uh, in-person meetings culminated in a big party that took place at the end uh, where people would... Do I know would... this story? You oh. do, but you might not oh, remember not. it. Okay. It could be it could be any number of stories that are in your head right now. Okay. Okay. Um, but this is one of the creepiest things that's ever happened to me. So it culminates in this big party, and at this party, people are drinking a lot. It's hosted in like a bar at a hotel uh, nearby, and um, yeah, people are drinking a bunch and just having a good time. I don't like stuff like this, <laughs> but I go because it's kind of expected of you, and I must have just lost you at this point, Marissa, at at the at the event. I must but, um, have been suffering because where the fuck was I? <laughs> I don't want to be alone at that shit either. I'm pretty sure there was one year where you were sick, maybe? Um, and then in my last year, you weren't there, I think. And so, um, anyway, cut to the chase, Pete. I'm sitting, talking to some people, and the director of the program shows up, and she's checking in with all of us. How did you do? You know, Did you have a good week? Just general stuff that you would expect from somebody who's running the program that you're a student in. And suddenly I feel my earlobe and somebody's rubbing on it. <laughs> and it's her. Yeah. And I if you're ever that. in a group of people and somebody's rubbing on your earlobe, guess what? They're all going to see that. <laughs> and so people are looking at me and looking up at her while she's talking, but like then darting down to me to be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I put myself in a state, which I imagine many people have in many times where I'm just like, this just isn't happening right now. This is just a figment of my imagination. <laughs> and, um, Eventually, she stopped and left, and eventually I went home and, you know, um, really cleaned my earlobe. <laughs> oh. But that was scary. No, that's pretty scary. Nothing else creepy like that happened since? I don't remember. No, I mean, there was the one where um, <laughs> you and I were both separately yet somehow linked <laughs> being pursued by ravenously horny people. Oh, oh, I remember that. I bet with her, but guys, just to tell you about that, the reason why that's notable is because we were being pursued by ravenously horny people not not the whole time, but at first in the same room, and I'm pretty sure there was like a big mirror on the wall so we could periodically like see what was happening in the other person's situation. So, yeah. Eventually, we did a lot of eye talking that night. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fucked up. Uh, also, in the lobby of, those... of a hotel. <laughs> yeah, it was. Ugh. Yeah, in a lobby. We're gross. Do you want to come upstairs? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't even want to be here right now. <laughs> Pete, for my last story, do I read a story I got off the internet or? Do I tell them about Naveen? Can you say internet again? What? Can you say internet again? Internet? You said internet? In 
<laughs> I'm in a weird place. Please, I know you are. Do I read my internet story or do I tell them about Naveen? Hmm. Naveen's creepy in the way that I just told a story. So part of me says, read the story from the internet. Uh-huh. Okay. Then we can hear from our last caller and then you can decide if you want to talk about Naveen or finish up the show. Okay. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. We're going to have to pause for a minute. I have the page open, but the story is not where it's supposed to be. Shit, where the fuck did the story go? Uh, it looks like the world's made up its mind for you, and you were just going to talk about Navi. Yeah, that might... Wait, let me do the search page thing. Find on page. Red. Okay, okay. I am ready. So every Halloween, uh, Jezebel dot com uh has a roundup of stories that were submitted through like reddit or through the website and they're usually pretty fun um this one isn't like the best one i read but some of them are like insanely long but i, th- I thought it was uh, a-, a little spooky so this is called the red house uh by one upon a little lane 21855 <laughs> <laughs> this is a story my mother told us kids i believe it to be true as she has never faltered my mother grew up poor. My grandpa worked at the sewage plant, and my grandma was a lunch lady for the local school and did laundry and cleaning in the summers. My family was extremely frugal and were saving for a house of their own. In the meantime, they rented apartments in bad neighborhoods to save on rent. One day they saw an advertisement for an upper apartment, an older home split into a a duplex. It was in a slightly nicer area and was surprisingly affordable. Uh, my mom was about two years old at this time and my grandma was pregnant with her second child and safe was what they needed. So they decided to move in. My mom drove us past that house a few years ago and it was now painted a bright sunny yellow. At the time they moved in, Back in the day, it was a rusty red, barn red, as the paint was cheap. At the time, the lower unit was vacant, which suited them just fine. <laughs> lower unit. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> After years of being packed like sardines in tiny apartments stacked on top of each other, it was nice and almost luxurious. The trouble started just a few weeks after they moved in. Windows would shut by themselves. And old houses could be unpredictable, they thought. Uh, But sometimes the windows would also open by themselves, which was a bit harder to explain. Uh, It was summer, so they left the windows open most of the time. The next-door neighbors started to complain about noises. Why are you flushing the toilets and slamming things all day, they asked. My grandparents were stumped, as they both usually worked, and my mom was at Nana's house during the day. They assumed the lower unit of the apartment was being rented and worked on. But looking into the windows revealed no workers, no people, just a vacant apartment with dust. Then when my mom started to have nightmares, oh, I'm sorry. Then my mom started to have nightmares. Not the usual type, but terror, screaming, and she was just inconsolable. My grandma would rock her to sleep and would sometimes fall asleep with my mom her head against the wall, and my mom in her crib. One night, she heard footsteps over and over. My mom woke up, stared at my grandma, and whispered, It's here. It's here. 
The sounds were coming from the back of the closet. My grandma yelled for her husband. Grandpa peeled back the wood panel behind the closet. There were a set of stairs for when the house was a single family home and the owners had just boarded them over. At my grandma's request, grandpa grabbed a flashlight and looked around. There were no footprints in the thick dust and no disturbances besides cobwebs. So he nailed the panel back and just suggested that they all needed more sleep. My mom slept in their room for a few nights, but ultimately was put back to sleep in her own room after a few days. The night she was put back in her room was seared into her memory to the point she had repeated it many times and her story never changes. That night she heard footsteps slowly coming up those stairs. She started to cry quietly and lay in her crib, pretending to be asleep as the footsteps drew closer. She felt something standing over her. Hoping it was one of her parents, she cracked her eyes open. But it was neither grandma nor grandpa. My mom describes the person as an old man. Not like Nana, but old, like a mummy. Sallow skin, sunken cheeks, and long, gray, stringy hair. The man smiled at her. He had broken brown teeth, sharp and jagged. He was shirtless, and you could see his skin was ragged, thick, like a callus. And he had impossibly long fingers topped with thick, sharp, yellow fingernails. He reached into my mother's crib. At this point, my mom screamed and screamed and screamed. Good move. Grandma and Grandpa finally ran into the room. The next day, they started finding a new home immediately. While they were looking for this new house, my mom would sleep every night in bed with Grandma and Grandpa between them. I asked why Grandma and Grandpa actually believed my mom and why they took her seriously. And she said, when they came into my room, they found me on the other side of my bedroom, right by the closet. Ooh. <laughs> Did I read that well enough that you actually understood it? Yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I thought it was cute. Yeah. Yeah. So it's true. I mean, oh yeah, these are, oh yeah. I, I said I was supposed fictional stories. That's not true. I said, <laughs> that's a true story, yeah. But it's not my story, so it's someone else's. Well, speaking of someone else's story, let's get our last voicemail from a long time, long time? Yeah, long time, long time. It's James. I hope I did not miss your Halloween calling. Okay, first, I just want to say, imagine if he had all the subsequent stuff you're going to hear. <laughs> okay. I racked my brain, and I come up with this. I live in my grandmother's house. <clears throat> uh, she died in uh, 2009, in February. And before she died... I want to say maybe the year before that. She started going, I would say, senile. Um, she had some, some definite dementia going on. You know, she get these, uh, I think they call it sun, sundown syndrome, something like that. She had these scenarios where you know, she'd be lucid, and then it would get to be nighttime, and she would just get odd. That's uh, that M. Night Shyamalan movie, The oh, Visit. I still haven't seen that. Yeah. But yeah, that, I've heard about that stuff for, like in real life, it's so scary. It is. 
And uh, you'd hear fun stories, like she would wake up and her father would be laying in bed next to her. You know, her father, my, my grandmother died when she was in her 80s. Her father had very clearly been dead. She would get freaked out, you know, knowing that the man was dead and he was laying in bed. But the story that I liked the most about my grandmother and the just otherworldly things that she would say when the evenings came and her eyes would get that special kind of a glisten, um, she would talk about the little girl. Now, the little girl, um, there was no little girl, obviously, but the little girl was someone that she said lived in her basement. Oh. I, I do want to point out James used to have long hair. I, <laughs> <laughs> I also want to point out that, not point out, but question, James, do you know for a fact the little girl doesn't live in her basement? Continue. Well, we'll find out. And now my grandmother built her house. My grandmother has two daughters, my mother and my aunt. And nonetheless, as she got older, you know, this senility set in, she, uh, she would talk about the little girl in her basement, and she lived under the stairs. And he would say to her, there is no little girl down there. I don't know what you're talking about. And she would effectively shut you down and say, don't you tell me there's no little girl. I know she's down there, and she has red hair. And, you know, as I was growing up as children, you always get that weird feeling when you go, like, upstairs, and it's, you know, you're the only one up there. You get a little creeped out, or you go down into a basement and whatnot. But I would always get super creeped out in her basement and just feel, even as an adult, there were things just creeping behind me. Ooh. And... That was before she talked about the little girl. Talking about the little girl only sort of reaffirmed these beliefs. Um, that her basement, despite the fact that she built her house, was odd. I mean, clearly she built her house on a portal to hell, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, what's interesting is after she died, I moved in a few months later, and I have never felt that presence again in the basement where I would get creeped out. Even though, again, I felt this the whole way through. So you got this little girl in the basement. <clears throat> and it was just, like I said, it was always fun to me to think about the little girl. And I always wonder, was there a little girl in some way, shape, or form that I just couldn't see? I... Okay, so, little girl in the basement. James has kids now. You think it was a premonition? Technically, a little girl. Just kidding, James. I know you make your children live in the basement. And yet, he called in a second time. James again, and perhaps you thought the saga of the little girl was over. Um, but alas, you were mistaken. Now, I suspect, as my grandmother started to go senile, the little girl that she referenced so often was really a manifestation of something to do with a painting in her house. She has a painting called uh, by an artist named Margaret Kane, and I believe it's called First Kiss. And uh, the painting is of a little girl, and she's staring directly at you, and she's getting kissed on the cheek by a little boy. And I encourage you to look this painting up. Again, oh, Margaret Kane, I believe it's called First Kiss. And... Um, I think that the painting is incredibly disturbing. Ooh. And, uh, the little girl, she stares directly into the camera, and it's, into the photo, I should say, directly out at you. And there's something about her eyes and the lack of life in them that no matter where you are in the room, above her, below her, 
left or right of her. Now, that little girl stares at you all the time. Love and it. it is by far uh, the creepiest painting I have ever personally come across. And my grandmother proudly displayed it in her living room. Now, <laughs> when I got married, I'm no longer married, but when I got married, I was not allowed to display this photo or this painting any longer in my home. And in fact, uh, we didn't refer to it. We called it That Which Shall Not Be Named, uh, in a reference to Harry Potter, I'm sure. Uh, but we called it That Which Shall Not Be Named. And we tucked her away in my closet for years. And uh, the very first thing I did, you know, once, once my ex-wife moved out, was <laughs> I made sure to bring out two paintings, one of which was the little girl. I now proudly display it in my office at work. And every time I look over at the painting, she is staring at me, and it is creepy. And I will tell you, uh, children, anytime children see that painting, and I've had several children see the painting over the years, anytime they see the painting, they immediately recognize that it is terrifying, and they are freaked out by it. I don't have to tell them any story, any backstory on it at all, but that little girl stares into your soul no matter where you are. Oh, I love it. <laughs> okay, Marissa, can you get to the chat, do you think? Uh, let me try. Uh, did you send me something yet? It's coming. James, how many children have seen it? <laughs> just like imagine, I don't, not, nothing creepy, nothing like dirty, but I'm just imagining like, he just like invites all the neighborhood kids around to see the little <laughs> girl painting. Uh, oh, okay. No, it's, I think I've seen that. I'm not it's gonna spooky lie. because... Well, okay. The size of her, I'm not going to say, like, her eye sockets and her eyes, like, they're really big, dark eyes. Yeah, I was just going to say it's not creepy, but the more I look at it, but I need his story <laughs> with it also. The more I look at it and with his story, yes, it is a little creepy, actually. Yeah. Yes, they are really dead eyes. And they look <laughs> like they're they're colored different than the rest of the painting is colored. Right. The oh, rest like of the it. painting is, like, very light. It looks like there's sort of, like, soft strokes. But those eyes are so deep. Yeah, that's weird. I, I like that. Thanks, James. That's a good story. Oh. So, it's James again. <laughs> oh. You may think at this point that the saga of the little girl is done, now that I've told you about my grandmother and about the painting. However, it is not. Okay. It takes another twist and turn from here. I find simply delightful and devilish. Devilish. Across the street from my house is a now closed bar called Dan's Keystone Grill. And I used to frequent that bar. It's a bar restaurant. <clears throat> uh, just so you know, James doxed himself. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I used to frequent that bar. I was on good terms with the owner when it was open. And one night, I was over there, talked to the owner about something I think he and I were, you know, just shooting the breeze, talking, and I was standing in front of his uh, cellar door going down toward his basement. And as he and I were talking, I swore I heard a noise down in his basement. I turned to look, and he had asked what I looked for. And I explained, well, I thought I heard noise in the basement. And he says to me, oh, it's probably the little girl. What the fuck? Ah! Is that it? And I'll be honest with you, I freaked the heck out. I <laughs> to keep it politically correct for you. 
I freaked the heck out. I was like, well, what do you mean a little girl? He's like, uh, there's a ghost of a little girl in our basement. And um, I was horrified and terrified. <laughs> and as one does, I started running through every scenario in my head. And my parents lived right near me. I said, did my parents put you up to this? And he said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And I started freaking out. My parents had to put you up to this. No, no. My parents did not put them up to it. Uh, apparently, at the bar right across the street from my house, which, again, is my grandmother's house, um, there is the ghost of a little girl that lives in the basement. Um, and she makes noise sometimes, and people have seen her. And they even had a paranormal crew in one night to try to search for evidence of the ghost of this little girl. Now, how does that wrap everything up for you? My grandmother, going senile, talks about a ghost of a little girl, or a little girl, I should say, that lives in our basement. And I came to find out later on that there's a ghost of a little girl in the basement across the street. Oh, yeah, the girl the girl just liked your grandmother's company. And then mm -hmm. when your grandmother moved, she decided to go to the other dude's house. Yeah. I think that's very easy. She was hungry, so she went across the street for some food. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, misresolved. Uh, James sent us one message at 221, the other at 222, <laughs> and the last one came in at 252. Ooh, thank So that you, cooked James. in his mind a little bit. He probably accomplished some great tasks in between. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I, I say we leave it, um, because that ends on a genuinely spooky note uh yeah, my naveen story less than less a stalky note <laughs> yeah yeah maybe another day we'll have a stalker themed episode and i can tell you my naveen story yeah or we can make it a patreon exclusive <laughs> <laughs> actually you know what we can make it a patreon exclusive y'all heard.com slash nope patreon.com slash y'all heard <laughs> i'm sorry that i don't have more ghost related stories the thing is like i've actually had two ghost experiences in my life but I think I might have talked about the one on the podcast. But also, it kind of has to do with, like, a slightly sensitive topic. Uh, so I kind of can't tell it. Because people have speculated on who the ghost is. And I cannot mention that on this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah. Uh, I like that. I don't know. Yeah. That, that was good. Thank you, everyone who called in. That was really fun. You're our heroes. You are. Our, our Halloween hero. Oh, why did you do that? Marissa. Yeah. Plugs. Do you have any plugs for Halloween? Uh, you plug first, please. I'm going to plug the craft legacy, Marissa. Oh, Pete, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm going to take a chance. I haven't seen it, but it's coming out Did you today. see the trailer? Because I wouldn't take that chance. <laughs> I saw the trailer. Yeah. Okay. I mean, me and one of I the like Michaels. how what? a Feruza Balk Polaroid is in the trailer. See, yeah, that was the most promising thing I saw, but I don't even know like how they could fit in. Uh... Me and one of the Michaels swore we'd see it together and, like, talk about it in real time, but we both were unwilling to pay for it on demand because it looks not great. <laughs> Written and directed by Zoe Lister-Jones. 
Love her work. Who's that? But also, um, she's the sarcastic wife of Colin Hanks on Life in Pieces. Oh my god, that sucks because I love her <laughs> so much. But she's the best part I of watched, the show. I watched the trailer and I thought it looked perfectly fine. It look it, okay. I'm sorry. It looks perfectly fine. It's obviously not for my age group, so I don't care as much. It's, it's obviously- definitely for mine. I'm a little bit older than Marissa. So. <laughs> no, it's definitely for youths of today. I guess I was hoping for this, like, another cool badass thing that people who saw the originals would like, but why would I assume that? So meaning, yes, maybe this will bring in a new, a new generation of, like, ugh, like, insta-worthy wellness witches or some shit. But I feel like it doesn't have the badassness of like a a witch from the craft movie, which I saw yesterday. Which leads me so, into my plug. Watch the original craft. The original craft. <laughs> Cause it's real good. <laughs> uh, no nobody can match Feruza Ball. The thing is, I'm not saying that it's gonna I, this is always my thing with these like reboot slash sequels. Like you gotta go in with fresh eyes. Yes, the reboot of Charmed sucks like so much ass. Mm-hmm. But if you pretend that Charmed never happened, it's watchable. I mean, I could leave it on while I'm doing housework. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Why come everything they make with Hispanic people are just remakes? Like. Charmed and One Day at a Time? Who was clamoring for a Hispanic reboot of One Day at a Time? And Party of Five. That's a whole Hispanic reboot? Yeah. Yeah, nobody wanted that. I didn't even know that was a thing. That came and went. (laughs) That's, yeah, because nobody wants that. Mm -hmm. Okay, whatever. Uh, Yeah, so, like I said, mine is the original craft from the 90s. You could rent it for like $4 on, I think, Amazon Prime. Um, and it's fantastic, and the style is so cool, and I listened to a podcast about it the other day, and apparently they had a Wicca, um, a Wicca consultant throughout, so, like, a lot of the stuff is, like, pretty true to witches, uh, and, yeah, it's just really interesting, I love it, I love that movie, it's one of my favorites, I watch it every year. Very nice. Yeah. One time I was watching it in the dark, all alone, in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And my sister walked in and she was like, what are you jerking off? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Fun. So call us up at 570 pod <laughs> Leave us some reviews in iTunes or wherever you listen. That'd be fun too. Subscribe if this is your first time. If it is, you picked a really long show. Thanks for sticking it out. Yeah, I'm and sorry. I'm going to make it. It's our usual show. Sorry if I was in a state. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got better as time went on. Uh, Uh, (laughs) I'm going to um, finish up this episode with a story that I wrote while I was in graduate school, and I hope that you enjoy it. But uh, otherwise, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a spooky Halloween, but keep it safe, and don't forget to wear a freaking mask, for God's sake. Yeah, come on, guys. I made a really nice costume, and I'm going to an event, but I'm still wearing a mask the whole time. So So many unmasked faces. What'd you say? So many unmasked faces out there. Yeah, you're not cool. Right. <laughs> Hot and face. yeah, I saw that New Yorker cartoon where they said the scariest costume at the party is the guy without a mask. You know what? It's kind of funny, but not funny, funny. Okay. Yeah. So don't be that person. Yeah. Thank Happy you Halloween, guys. A what?
No, I just said happy Halloween. Oh, happy Halloween. Watch Snoopy Halloween. If you can afford it. Bye. Oh, it bye. <laughs>
there are procedures. When then? When do we get the money? When can we get our kids food and clothes? Um, Robert pauses. I don't want to pin a date on it. Pin something, Ruggles. I reach for Leanne's hand. I feel her rough skin as her thin fingers squeeze the hell out of mine. She's always been so strong. I'm sorry, I just can't, says Robert. Fred has the number for the motel where you're staying at, and we'll be glad to call you when we have more information. For the time being, we can put you in touch with some support organizations that should be able to assist you. The Red Cross doesn't believe in ghosts, Robert. Not the church, either, I say, before Leanne has the chance to explode. Robert Ruggles opens his mouth, but he has nothing left to say. He shakes his head and looks down at Fred's blotter. On the elevator, Leanne is quiet. I've never seen the purse she's carrying before. It's worn on the arm and the bottom, and the sides are soft from being used so much. I think she borrowed it from her sister. We're lucky, Leanne, I say. Our blurry reflection splits as the metal elevator doors open. What? she asks, walking out. I stop her in the lobby and hold her by the shoulders. I said we're lucky. To have our lives. That we got out. Conversations from busy people echo off the walls of the big lobby. Ours is just one instrument in the orchestra. I look to Leanne's eyes and feel that something is missing. Jesus, John, really? She turns toward the front of the building just in time to see the bus pull away. We missed it, John. How's that for goddamn luck? It was one of those summer days where the air itself somehow suffocates you and the nighttime is the coolest you can get. We were watching the wheel on TV. I usually skim the paper while it's on and Leanne looks over the mail and all the projects the kids bring home from camp. We'd have the show on every night, though we didn't really watch. Vanna reveals the letters, Pat pokes fun at the excitable contestants. Tradition, I guess. I remember watching Leanne on the couch that night. She had one leg up on the coffee table and a pile of noodle art and catalogs on her lap. Her hair was in tangles reaching down to her skin and her sweat was like polish on a clean floor. It made her shine. She was getting wrinkles on the sides of her eyes and lines around her mouth from years of expression. Her shorts were bunched up on one leg and I could see cellulite on her thigh. As I got older, I couldn't help but love the hell out of that woman. She wasn't the sweet young girl I met in high school, but then I wasn't the scrawny AV guy from then either. When it comes down to it, I would have rather watched Leanne sort through the mail than Vanna turning those letters. Vanna's too quiet. She doesn't even turn the letters anymore. She just touches the screen to change them. Leanne caught me looking when she pushed some hair out of her face. Look at this one, she said, holding up a plate with some noodles pasted on it. Rotel eyes, rotini hair with manicotti teeth and radiator cheeks. It was pretty monstrous. It's cute, huh, she said with those laugh lines framing her smile. Those are some fierce teeth, but yeah, I like the cheeks. And I hope Danielle's good at math, I thought. I think she should stick to math, Leanne laughed. I loved her laugh. It was a musical composition of sighs and breaths, no squeaks or whines, and it always brought out Muffin. Here comes the girl, I said. Muffin waddled past me with her shih tzu hair bouncing back and forth. She jumped onto the couch and Leanne put the mail on the coffee table. She rubbed Muffin's face, shaking her floppy ears back and forth. Then Muffin rested on her. Louisville, Leanne said to the TV. The contestant, 
a fat-faced man from Indiana, struggled against the clock in the bonus round. He had L-I-S-L-L-E, and I don't know if I'd have gotten it either. Ugh, it's so damn hot in here. I think it's you, hon, I said. Smartass, she smiled. She never seemed to believe me. Let's go sit out on the porch, she said. We both stood, and Muffin brushed past me on her way out the door. I let my forefinger interlock with Leanne's when we got close, and she stopped. This is nice, I said. Just you and me. It's been a while since we could sit around and take it easy. Yeah, it is. She looked up at me with her green eyes, and it made me melt. It had for twelve years of marriage and three of dating. Out on the porch, we sat in separate chairs on opposite sides of the open front door. Our arms dangled from the chairs, and our hands met in the middle, like a human ribbon holding off customers at a grand opening. Leanne's hand felt soft and moist from her sweat, but no matter the texture, it always felt like home. She sighed as Muffin ran across the yard to the azalea bushes. Goddamn dogs always pissing in my bushes, she said. We should feed her more natural food. Maybe she could help them in the long run. Leanne cracked a smile. The sun was gone in the distance, and there were very faint sounds of TV or conversation from the neighborhood houses. It seemed too hot for the crickets to chirp, which gave way to an unusual and enjoyable silence. I knew the crickets and the neighbors were just loafing around like us, but nobody was enjoying it more than me. At the time, I had been reading self-help articles about living in the moment. They said that experiencing every single bit of a moment, sounds, smells, sensation, will help you enjoy it and remember it for much longer. And I remember every single moment of that night. Muffin ran up the porch and looked at us from the bottom of the stairs. Don't you dare shit there, Leanne said, shaking her head to the sky. Muffin spun around in a circle the way she does when she wants a treat. Imagine if we got a treat every time we took a leak, I said. Sometimes it looks like I do. She pinched her upper arm. I shook my head at her and made a noise to let her know that she was crazy, that I always loved her just the way she was. Muffin kept spinning, but she never seemed to get dizzy. After a few times, she stopped and looked at us, then cocked her head to the side. I thought she was looking at us with curiosity, wondering why we didn't lift a finger to attend to her. But then she ran up the stairs toward the open door. When she brushed under our hands, the breeze of her fur cooled our wrists and neither one of us reached for her. We didn't think we had to. We'll get to it, Muffin. I promise. Mama still loves you, Leanne called into the house. I looked back through the door to see if Muffin would understand, and I saw a light coming from down the hall in the kitchen. I thought it might be the refrigerator. Did you leave the fridge door open? I asked. Muffin started to bark. What? No, Leanne said craning her neck towards the kitchen. What is that? Just then the porch began to shake, and Muffin's barks mixed with cries and screams. Whose, I do not know. Whose, I don't know. Leanne and I straightened out from our lazy posture, but could barely stand up with the wood trembling beneath us. I looked at her face, and she looked into the house. Her laugh line stretched tight, and her mouth was open wide. I didn't know what to do, so I pulled her away by the hand I held. We stumbled down the steps, onto the ground, where we found more stability, but we kept backing across the lawn until we hit the concrete of the sidewalk. I'd never heard of an earthquake in suburban New Jersey, but I was convinced this was the first. The light from the kitchen filled the whole house, 
blasting through the windows and the doors, casting across the neighborhood like we were holding the sun hostage in there. Muffin's barking turned to yelps, and I had to hold Leanne back from running inside to get her. Her arms were strong from all those years of carrying the kids, and I almost couldn't do it. Shingles started to come loose and slide down to the ground, and the vinyl siding began to twist and buckle. It was less than a minute before the whole house turned in one direction, pulling away from the earth. Then it spun wildly in the other direction. Rays of light shot across my eyes, blinding me for a second or two. Leanne had her face buried in my shoulder. When my vision finally cleared, I could see it all. The house spun and started to crunch up on the sides. The walls folded and the windows shattered. As if someone had crumpled up a piece of paper, our house turned into a little white speck. And then it was gone. In April, the seasons were changing, which is something I always struggle with through my allergies, but I was ready for the first mow of the season. I remember pulling the cord to get the mower started, which took more effort than cutting the lawn itself. The air was so cool that day and the sun warmed my shoulders. I loved the smell of the grass and getting lost in the roaring motor of the mower, drowning out all the small sounds of the neighborhood. Unlike some of the guys from work, I enjoyed mowing the lawn. It was the day after that always threw me for a loop. Leanne always left early to take the kids to school and head off to work, so she was already gone when I decided to take a sick day. My only plan was to bum around the house and maybe make a nice dinner for when everyone came home. I slept in a few hours and finally rose at 10 o'clock. I brewed some coffee, I slipped Muffin an extra bacon-flavored treat, and went out to the porch to read the paper. Muffin kept sniffing around me, surprised to see me there on a work day. You see all the things that you miss when you're home during work hours. Mrs. Tully was working on her flower bed. Old Man Harris was cleaning out his garage. You don't see that stuff after five when I usually get home. It reminded me to slow down and take it easy. I had just settled in and cracked open the newspaper when a black sports car with a purring engine pulled up. It was sleek and shiny, like oil on wheels, and it pulled into the driveway nice and square, which is pretty uncommon. It's such a tight turn that even I still hit the curb from time to time. When the long driver's side door opened, a tall man in khaki pants and a gray polo shirt stepped out and closed the door behind him. He had short hair and wraparound sunglasses that reflected light in multiple colors. I guess he was around my age, but better taken care of, and with a bit more spring in his step as he casually walked up to my house, almost as if it was his own. When I shook the newspaper closed, he stopped dead in his tracks and looked at me with no expression at all. Hello there, I said. Hey there. He stood looking at me, like I was out of place. Can I help you? Uh, no, sir, he said, sticking a hand in his left pocket. He stood that way for two minutes, just looking at me in my lounge pants and Rutgers t-shirt. Well, uh, what are you doing here? He pulled off the sunglasses with his right hand and said, I, I, sir, can help you. Oh, yeah? My name is Stephen. He took a long pause. I'm a ghost hunter. I was driving through town and my EVP meter went through the roof right here by your house. Oh, yeah? I said. Muffin barked and I shooed her to quiet down. Yes, sir. Do you know what an EVP is? I've heard of them on TV ghost shows, I confessed. The shows spooked the kids and Leanne thought they were silly, but I loved them. I like how 
the good investigators would still believe, even when their tests found no proof. I'm not talking about the extreme investigators, but the reasonable, hopeful ones. I think you have a haunted house, Stephen said, tipping back on his heels looking up at the second floor. Have the kids said anything? Have you heard any strange noises? Notice any unusual happenings lately? I nodded slowly. The kids had heard noises at night and said things were moved around in the house. I would sit with them until they fell asleep and chalk it up to childish ways. It's easier for a kid to say a ghost hit my homework than I forgot to do it. Leanne called it all bullshit and said they only had those ideas because I used to watch those goddamn shows. Children are much better tuned to pick these things up, Stephen said. I looked him over again and noticed the logo on the breast of his polo, Northeast Bank, where Leanne worked. He went on about ghosts, but I didn't listen. Instead, I tried to remember. Had Leanne ever talked about a Stephen from work? She would have told me if she worked with a ghost hunter, but he was certainly not a ghost hunter. Not a good one, anyway. EVPs are voices, and you record them, not measure them on a meter. And maybe I can get my team together and clean up some of the ectoplasm you may have in there. Sometimes you can't see it. It could be all over your walls, Stephen said. And I knew for sure that he wasn't a ghost hunter. I was just about to ask him what was going on when Leanne drove up and parked right alongside his black car. She sat in the driver's seat looking at me and looking at Stephen. She went back and forth a few times before she finally stepped out. John, what are you doing home? You should be at work. I called out, still tired and stuffed up from the grass yesterday. Oh, she said. She looked at Stephen, then back at me. He's a ghost hunter, I said, to see where things would go. Stephen, ma'am, he said, shaking hands with Leanne. He was confident and composed, but she was stiff and rigid. There was a feeling of performance in it all, like somewhere an audience knew more about the plot than I did. A ghost hunter, she said slowly. What for? He says the house might be haunted, hon. He's got meters and things, ectoplasm. Oh, for God's sake, John, she said, walking away from Stephen toward the porch. We don't have any goddamn ghosts in the house. Leanne walked up the steps in heavy, deliberate silence. She stopped and stood behind me, looking out at Stephen. You coming here is a terrible mistake. Please, go the hell away and don't come back. For a moment, Stephen looked at her with cool disappointment. I'm not sure what her face looked like, but I saw her silhouette in the reflection off of his car, standing firm and strong, like her mind when she makes it up. Stephen smiled and put on his sunglasses. I know, behind those frames, he wanted to let it all out to spite her. He wanted to tell me that they were meeting to have an affair, that he had no meters in his fancy car, and he thought of the Ghost Hunter Act right there on the spot because she trusted him with her problems from home. I wished he knew that I knew it, so he didn't even consider humiliating Leanne like that. Thankfully, he backed away to his car quietly. Maybe another time, he said, as he opened the car door and got in. The engine revved, and he shifted gears. From his rolled-down window, Stephen pointed to me like we were old golf pals and said, You be careful. And then he drove off. I looked across the street where old man Harris was dumping out some rusty tools and cans of paint from the garage, and Leanne stood still next to me. I could hear Harris's tools clanging as he put them in the bin, echoing off the wall of silence that stood between Leanne and me. After a moment, she put her hand on my shoulder. How are you feeling? Her voice was soft and quiet, almost a brand new sound. 
I'm all right, I said, and then we were quiet again. I watched Harris toss a lawn chair onto the curb. I'd seen the chair a hundred times. He'd bought it one spring and put it outside, but then he must have forgotten about it. It would freeze in the winter and bake in the summer, and he barely ever took a seat in it. But through all that wear and tear, it was still a pretty nice chair. I'm sorry, Leanne said, and I knew she was sorry for more than just my congestion. Look at that, I said. That chair's perfectly fine. Just clean up the fabric a little bit and replace the cushion, and it would be good as new. You just gotta work at things. Keep them up. Make them last. You can't have something nice if you don't take care of it. Leanne sat down in the chair next to me, watching me stare off across the street. She was looking for a clear sign of whether I understood what had happened. I just don't think you should throw it away, is what I mean. The sign of a bad morning is not when the kids are screaming, running around, and hyperactive. With our kids, it's a calm, noticeable absence of those things. I stood in the hallway between each of their bedroom doors. You guys better get up or mom's going to be mad. I watched Jerry roll out of his bed onto his feet and yawn his little heart out. He dragged himself into the hallway toward the bathroom like a wandering zombie. a boy, Jer. I went to Danielle's cotton candy cave and opened the curtains to light up the pink walls, carpet, furniture, and bed. Come on, honey. Gotta get ready for school. She pulled the covers over her head. You know mommy takes 15 minutes to make your lunches before she comes up to get you, and you've been snoozing for 14. She pushed the covers off of her head and said, I'm still sleepy. They don't like school. That's all I thought it could be at first. At the last parent-teacher conference, Mrs. Katz said that Danielle looked very tired at school, so we sent her to bed earlier, but it didn't seem to help. How did you sleep? There's a ghost in my closet. Oh, Danielle, I told you there's no such thing as ghosts. But I didn't believe that. It makes noises at night, she said, and I told her that her one minute was up. I whistled for Muffin and patted on the edge of Danielle's bed. Muffin jumped up and licked her face until Danielle finally got up laughing. I walked her down the hall to the bathroom. From his doorway, I asked Jerry, How are you, buddy? He was in fifth grade at the time and trying to grow up a little faster than I wanted. Fine, he said. It's just too loud at night. What do you mean, I asked. He was opening drawers and pulling out clothes to wear for the day. He didn't look over at me. The same as always, Dad. I'll be sleeping and out of nowhere my soccer ball slams on the floor. So I put the ball back and just when I get to sleep again, it slams again. All night long. We talked about this, buddy, I said without thinking. I could tell that Jerry was expecting this reaction, but I meant to say something more supportive, more meaningful, something helpful. He began to look around the room and sigh under his breath. His eyes squinted and his mouth frowned, like he gets when he struggles at soccer practice. I hated to see him stress so much. He was only 11. Where are my goddamn shoes, he said to himself. What did you say? I put my hands on my hips like anyone in charge would do. Nothing. I... Nothing, he said. I'm standing right here, Jerry. I walked over to him and sat him on the bed. Don't tell mom, he begged. That's an adult word, I said trying to remember the lines from TV parents. When you're an adult, like me and mom, you can say those things. Not all the time, either, because it's, well, it's not exactly flattering. I thought about how much I love Leanne's trucker mouth. Now, I won't tell her, but you gotta promise me you'll try to calm down, okay, bud? Jerry nodded at me, and I could already see relief in his eyes. Now, where did you last leave your shoes? Right here, he said, 
pointing to the empty floor at the foot of his bed, where he always leaves his shoes. But this wasn't the first time Jerry's shoes went missing, and they were never in the same place. I looked in the closet to help his search. Found him, he said with enthusiasm. He was holding open his toy chest, which he barely ever opened as he'd gotten older. I wondered if he'd hid them in there for attention, if he felt neglected, but all I said was, Okay, now get dressed. Breakfast will be waiting for you. I went down the hall and and past Danielle's room, where she was already tying her shoes. Downstairs, Leanne was zipping up the kids' vinyl lunchboxes while Matt Lauer was on TV talking about the importance of homeowner's insurance. Listen to this guy, she says. He's telling people to have insurance on their homes. What kind of goddamn moron is taking life tips from Matt Lauer? He seems like he's done pretty good for himself, I said. I'd listen to him. You know what I mean. It's goddamn common sense. We're covered up the ass on this place. Not a thing could happen that would ever leave us in the shitter. You are amazing, dear, I said. And she didn't take her eyes off of the interior of the refrigerator as she put away the lunch meat and the mayonnaise. Muffin wandered into the kitchen and sniffed around Leanne's feet for fallen scraps of food. Oh, good morning, Muffin, honey, she said. She wore a gray skirt with a soft pink blouse, and her feet were covered in flesh-toned pantyhose. I stood across the center island in the kitchen and placed a small box in between the kids' lunches. She turned around and saw me staring at her. What? she said, and I looked down at the box. Oh, She reached down and opened it and found two earrings that the sales lady called sapphire drops in white gold. I thought they were just pretty enough to look nice, but not so much that it would distract from Leanne's beautiful face. Happy birthday, I said. Leanne smiled and closed the box, and then walked around the counter and quickly kissed me on the cheek. Thanks, John. You're welcome, hon. The kids appeared and wished Leanne a happy birthday. She kissed and hugged them and told them to eat their cereal. She collected papers in her briefcase, only stopping to watch Al Roker's weather report and sputter, I hate that jolly son of a bitch. After breakfast, I helped Danielle put on her backpack and told Jerry to look out for his little sister at school. I regretted saying that right away. He looked like he had enough on his mind. I hoped he would hear it as one of those things that adults say but don't really mean. Of course he knew he should protect his sister. No one had to tell him that. With the front door open, Leanne called for the kids to file into the car. I stood across from her as the kids ran out between us and down the porch steps. She looked up at me for a moment and then started out the door. It was almost closed before she pushed it back open and said, Love ya. Then she closed it and went off to the car. In the kitchen, I picked up my mug, filled it with coffee, and then surveyed the damage. The empty cereal bowls and juice cups were still out, so... I set down my coffee and started towards the table to pick them up. When I turned and walked back to the sink, I noticed the little black box still on the edge of the counter, right where Leanne had left it. In that moment, I couldn't help but think that maybe she wanted something more. Maybe she expected something better for her 38th birthday. And then I let the moment pass and turned on the faucet and thought about how lucky we all were.